Have you ever wondered why, not why, but how we got this story? I mean, we think about it, there's only Jesus and this entity called the devil present in this experience, and yet we've got this record of it. The reason we've got it, of course, is because it's a great mythic story. Now, when I say it's a myth, I'm using in the understanding of the great New Testament scholar Marcus Borg, who said a myth is not something that never happened. A myth is something that happens over and over and over again. Not something that's never happened, but something that continues to happen. Now, I'm not disputing whether this was a literal experience or not. I'm not into a conversation about whether there's a literal devil. That's for another time. But we've got this story because we know this story. The voice that Jesus hears is the voice we hear all the time, constantly in our heads. Now, we could read this reading as Jesus bettering evil. He resists all the temptations that human beings are susceptible to. Even when he's hungry, he doesn't give in. He's not even hungry, he's famished. He's like at the point of death. And he still doesn't give in. Even when he's offered the opportunity to prove how special he is, what a religious celebrity he is by throwing himself down and having God's angels save him. And don't we all love celebrities? I mean, aren't we enjoying or perhaps enduring the Golden Globes and the Academy Awards? Here's an opportunity to be a celebrity and he resists it. He's even offered all the kingdoms of the world. Of course, all the kingdoms of the world currently owned by Caesar, but that's not a problem. All the kingdoms of the world will be his and he resists that too. It's so amazing that he does it and he does it not only against temptation generally, but against the evil one, the greatest tempter of all. Well, it's a good story, but so what? That's not me. That's not you, I don't think. I mean, I'm getting to know you a little bit. I don't think there's anyone who stands up like this. It's, what's the point of this story if it's about how wonderful Jesus is and how well, how rubbish we are? But of course it's not. Over and over there's this, if you are, that little arrow that digs into us. If you are the one you claim to be. If you are the father, the mother, the son or the daughter, the friend, the lover, the worker, the boss. If you are the one that you hope to be, that you claim to be. And we know that voice of doubt because we know that even when we scrub up as best we can, we think we might have been able to fool everybody else, but we know deep in the night when we can't sleep, we can't fool ourselves. We know this voice of exposure. If you are, we might be at any moment unmasked and shown for who we really are. We spend a lifetime building the persona that is us with the things we wear, the things we've done, the things we have learnt. 
We don't want anybody to see how often frightened and small and confused we are inside. A dear friend of mine, five or six years ago, had to move into nursing care. She was 89 and she realised that she'd need to make some decisions and choices about her physical ability. So she decided to move into nursing care. And the day before she moved in, we were talking and she said, I'm really scared. I'm wondering, will I be able to make friends? Will I look like an, an idiot because I do the wrong thing at the wrong time? She said to me, you know what? It's just like it was on the first day of school when she was five. She looks like an old woman, but she's not. She's just the same person she's always been. Will anybody like me? Will they think I'm interesting? Which I thought was insane because I knew this woman. She's one of the most interesting people that I know. And if you met her, you would think the same. But that's not how she sees herself. She knows the truth of her own vulnerability and her smallness after a lifetime of some pretty extraordinary achievements. Is this why Jesus says to us in a number of places, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Unless you're stripped of all the pretense, your status, all the artifice that we have built around us, and in, stand in truth of who we really are, who we've always been, very vulnerable, quite uncertain, often very confused people. Unless we come like that, we will never experience it. We will never experience the world as God wants us to experience, as God constantly invites us to experience it. So the devil, very cleverly, as this voice often does, says this, if you are, or there's another translation that could be, since you are. In other words, prove that you are. Since you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. You're hungry. Here's a fix. Do something. Action avoids vulnerability. If I do something, anything, it will look like I'm doing things and achieving things in the world. And I'll be able to resist that sense I know in myself of my smallness, my vulnerability. It's a very masculine thing. I've spent a lot of time in conversation with couples, uh, married couples and, and couples together who are not doing very well. And often, it's a cliche, but it's so often true. The woman will say to me in our conversation, the three of us, when I want to tell him what's going on for me, the first thing he wants to do is fix it. I don't want him to fix it. I'm not an idiot. I know the things that need to be done to fix it. I want him to hear me. And then the man will say, but, but, but all that's got to happen is we need to do, we've got, there's that urge to do something because there's nothing worse than feeling powerless. And if you ever do training as a counsellor, one of the things you're learn, you learn to do is to pay attention to yourself that you end up with a problem that you need to fix. I'm the counsellor, you've come to me, you might even be paying money to come and see me. So my problem is, I've now got to look like a proper counsellor. So we're, now we're not dealing with your problem, which is your need to come and talk about something that's really important to you. 
We're dealing with my problem, which is I need to look like a good counsellor. So it's easy to not be vulnerable, but to do things. My dad, for years he ran a, a welfare agency and he had a sign on his wall that said, something must be done. Here is something, we must do it. That's the urge to do something. The urge that the devil puts to Jesus, that the voice puts to us all the time, is do something. Keep busy. Stay ahead of the demons. Keep action. Keep active. Because otherwise, you might have to sit there quietly. Was it, I think, Rousseau or Voltaire, I get these two confused sometimes, who said, the problems... All mankind's problems stem from the inability to sit quietly alone in a room. You might have to go and look it up which one of those two it was. Pretty sure it was one of them. Jesus is vulnerable. He's famished. He's at the point where he can no longer do everything for himself. His human weakness is on show. And there's nothing out there but Jesus. The image on the wall and the image on your order of service. The temptation in the wilderness is a graphic indication, of, a representation of Jesus alone in what could be a very stormy place. And he can fix all that pain and uncertainty. All he has to do is do something and he'll feel better and it'll all be good. He can satisfy his longings. He can, he can appear in the, in the world full of gravitas and importance by doing something. He can get stuff. He can get a new car, he can get a new hairstyle, he can get a new kitchen, he can get a new relationship, he can get a new anything. And it'll make it all better and it'll fill the void. And it will, of course. Anybody who tells you that going out and buying something new doesn't work is lying to you and to themselves. Of course it works. I feel so much better in a new shirt. For how long does it last? Because a person doesn't live by bread alone. Action won't fill the void. We all know that. Consuming the true religion of our world and our time, it doesn't work either. Or it does, but not for very long. There'll never be enough of it. And never enough action. Never enough stuff. Never enough activity. Because one doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What, is, what are the words that come from the mouth of God? What, is, what does this possibly mean, Jesus quoting this ancient text, part of his scriptures and our scriptures too, the Hebrew scriptures? Well, we know some of the words that come from the mouth of God because they happened just a couple of verses before when a voice from heaven says... At Jesus, to Jesus at his baptism, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. Why is God so pleased with Jesus? He hasn't done anything. All he did was get baptised. Heaps of people are getting baptised. Jesus hasn't achieved anything. He hasn't staked a claim anywhere. He hasn't gathered a, a community. That all happens later. But right in this moment, God's voice says, this is my son, the beloved in whom I'm well pleased. This is the word that comes from the mouth of God. And not just here, 
but right at the beginning of the whole of the Hebrew story. When God makes the world and says, it is good, it is loved, it is the way it's supposed to be. How do you live? You live by the words that come from the mouth of God. What are the words that come from the mouth of God that you are the beloved? You, in all your vulnerability, in all your hiddenness, in all your inability to be the person you always said you were going to try and be on the 1st of January when you made those New, Year resol New Year's resolutions, many of which by now we probably can't remember what we said we would do. Even in all of that, not only in it, but because of it, because that's who you are as a human being, that is who we are. That's the word of God. That's what, how we live. I've gone on way too long to talk about the other two temptations, but they're rubbish anyway, because they got to the point where, you know, if you're late at night and you can't sleep and you have bad thoughts, the longer you go on, the worse the thoughts get. The deeper into the night you go, the more terrible the thoughts become. Well, this is what these temptations are about. Why don't you, I don't know, throw yourself down. Why don't you, I'll give you everything. It's an act of desperation by the voice, by the devil. Jesus says, don't test God. Why? Because there are no tests. There's no test. It's a gift. And the kingdoms weren't the devil's to give anyway. They never are. They're never to be given. They're always taken. Colonialism never receives a gift. It takes by force. It's all a lie. We only live by the word of God, the word that says, you are the beloved. You are welcomed. You are already at home in your life and in the world. So be it.